oh, we just sat down. Jim. Okay, just work with me here, okay? Um, here's what's going to happen. In just a moment, um, we're, we're going to put two images on the screen. And what I'm going to ask you to do is I want you to move to the side of the room that, that, that best represents kind of where you're at in terms of what you see on the screen, okay? So in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do that. But you, but you might have to, depending on you know, what, what shows up on the screen, you might have to move from where you're at. We'll come back to your Go ahead. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Stop, stop, stop. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you were confused. That was awesome. Go ahead and have a... Okay. That was hilarious. It was like frozen. <laughs> oh, you know, it's, it's, I didn't know what to expect because last night I did that. And it was like the second I said it, there were people like running. And it kind of surprised me. Like I didn't expect that. And, and today, I, I thought, well, maybe they'll just run. And, and, and instead, you know, you were a little bit more shocked. How many of you are going, I can't believe he's doing this in church? Okay. That's, that's what I wanted. That's awesome. You know, I, I just got to tell you this because I, I've been looking forward to this moment for six months. No joke. Uh, Tim and I went away this summer, and we were over, in, and we took some time over in Leavenworth, and, and we just kind of had a week where we were doing some sermon prep things, kind of looking out, and, um, and, and so we were working on this series uh, in, in like July, and, um, and as we were doing that, we came to this week, you know, that we're talking about, I was trying to think through, what's a way to, to uh, you know, introduce the topic that we'll be talking about today. And, and, and we came up with this, this idea. And, and ever since, I've been going, I can't wait till that Sunday. Because <laughs> I just want to see the look on their faces. <laughs> I get to do it one more time next service. This is great. So anyways, the presidential race has become incredibly polarizing, Right? It, 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 very, it, it has always been to some degree, but in particular in recent you know, years, it's become very much an us versus them. Whoever us is and whoever them is, it has become that. We are easily divided as people. Uh, in fact, I was trying to think, what are some, you know, politics are obvious, that we have, you know, sharp divisions, and it becomes very heated. You know, some of you, you know, you have family meals, and it's like, oh, no, you know, it's going to go crazy. But, but what are, I was thinking, what are some of the other things that divide us as people? And I, I was searching on the internet, and I came across this, this list of 10 things that divide us. I went, oh, that's good, that's good. So what, let's put that up on the screen. 10 things, that, 10 typical things that divide us, money, right? Oh, uh, Yeah. Position, religion, of course, inheritance. Man, I just heard a story this week about that one, and oh man, that can get ugly. Politics, obviously, ethnicity, family members, our social network, gender, music, right? All things that can be used to divide us, and it doesn't take much sometimes. That was really fun this morning. Nations and families are not the only breeding grounds for contention. The church 
can also be a hotbed for division. In fact, some would say that the institution of the church is perhaps on the top of the list in terms of places where there is division, sadly to say. A couple of weeks ago, we launched into a new series that we're calling Independent. What we're doing is walking through a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And in this letter, he is addressing several items, several problems that were going on in the life of that church. Problems that very much relate to us, because as I shared a couple of weeks ago, we're very much like them. Well, I shared with you a little bit of their history and kind of who they are as a people and realized that, that we have a lot in common and then last week, Luis followed that up with sort of the opening to this letter where he was identifying this, this gap that exists between those who are in Christ Jesus and what he has done and what he wants to continue to accomplish in us and changing us and transforming us. And there's a gap in between those two things, between then, between who we are now and who we will one day be. And then today, what we're going to do is, is write the, I mean, you know, Paul sort of introduces the letter and just sort of says like an opening thanksgiving and prayer, and then he gets right to it. The first of about uh, a dozen issues that he's going to address in the coming chapters of this letter. And, and um, by the opening thing that I did here, perhaps you already know that the first issue that he addresses is the issue of division, Right? There was division in the church, and he had some things to say about it, things that I think very much apply to us because whether it's the same issue as theirs or not, we can easily be divided as people. It doesn't take much. Just put up a couple of pictures of politics on this board and look what happens, right? If you have a Bible with you or a Bible app or something you want to open up to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're going to dive in and see what Paul has to say about this issue of division. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Here's what God's word says. Paul writes, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it's been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, which is just another name for Peter, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? <laughs> or, or, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, we're going to stop right there. We're going to come back to this in just a moment. We're going to stop right there because what he does in these first few verses is he identifies the problem that he's addressing. And the problem is divisions in the church, right? He dives right in and he addresses one of these key issues, the fact that they are divided. They're fighting over leadership preferences. Did you hear that? I, I follow, I'm for... I'm behind this person. I follow, right? And Paul, as he addresses what the problem is, um, he, he wants to sort of state it in a few ways. And so he uses a couple of sort of positive terms to identify the problem and one sort of negative term to, to, to identify it. He says, I appeal to you that you agree, right? I want you to, right? That's the positive side. I want you to agree 
that there be no divisions, okay, don't be divided, and that you be united, right? They're, they're all sort of the same thing. They're all hovering around the same idea, and that is you are divided, and I want you to be united, right? There's a problem going on here in the life of God's family. And I love what, what he says after that. Um, maybe it's just me and my weird sense of, you know, whatever, but he, he, he states the problem, and he says, Chloe's people tell me, right? It's like, you know, Chloe's people. She's got people. And, and, and they tell me that you guys are fighting. They tell me that you're quarreling. They tell me that there's something going on. Because remember, he's away, right? He came, he, he planted the church, he established it, he stayed for a while, and then he went off to do something elsewhere, and he gets word from Chloe's people that things aren't good. And he says, here's what's happening. There is an us versus them problem in the church. And I'm calling you to a place of unity, to a place of agreement. He's not calling for uniformity. In fact, all throughout Paul's writing, he identifies the fact that we're different. We see things differently. We view things differently. He's not calling for uniformity in everything. He's just saying we need unity in what matters even though we have some diverse opinions about follow this person, I like that guy. We need to have unity in what matters. And so he says, I appeal to you that there be no divisions among you. Now, in the original language, the word translated divisions literally means to tear or to rend, and we don't usually use that word very often, but to tear or to rend something, to, to rip it in half, right? That's kind of the literal meaning of that word. You're divided. In other words, the fabric of the church has been ripped apart by people who say, well, I follow Paul, well, I follow Paul, well, I follow, and I, lo I love that that goes because like, well, I, I'm, I'm with Paul, He's the man. I follow Apollos. He's a way better preacher. Which, as you look at the scriptural record, he probably was. And well, and then somebody else goes, well, I follow Peter because he was like one of the disciples. Like, he walked on water, right? And then I can just imagine the other individuals because they go, oh, yeah? Well, I follow Christ. Beat that. You know, Right? And, and here's the thing, in all of those answers, you get this sense, this underlying tone of, of superiority, of arrogance, of pride, of I'm right, and it's causing divisions. It's interesting because that same word that's used here for division uh, is also used in the book of John chapter 7 where it's describing the response to Jesus. And it says that the people were divided. They were torn apart in terms of those who, who trusted and believed in him and those who didn't, those who were skeptical of him. They were divided. And then Paul says, here's what needs to happen. You need to be united. That word from its original language, literally means this. It means you need to be united, you need to be restored, or even more literally, you need to be knit together. 
which is really interesting when you t- think about the idea that division is this, is this rending, this tearing apart of the fabric. And he says, here's what needs to happen. It needs to be sewn back together, right? In fact, that word, that united word, is used also in, in, in the Gospels, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, I think it is. Yeah, Mark chapter 1, where, uh, where the Bible tells that James and John were out and so when Jesus was calling them to be disciples, and it says that they were mending their nets. Okay, and that word mending is that same word that's used here. And they're sitting out there, and they're fishermen, right? And their nets, from time to time, they begin to break apart, and they get holes in them. And it was a very regular thing. In fact, I've been over in Africa. We saw, you know, the fishermen out, and they're, they're fixing their nets. And they're just mending them. They're sewing them back together so they're united, right? Same idea, same picture. He says, listen, family, you're being torn apart and and we need need to be sewn back together in unity. This isn't good. So the question is this, what's actually going on? What's behind all this? Like we understand that there's there's some leadership disputes, like this is who I follow, but what's behind that? And the Bible doesn't tell us. We actually have no other information in terms of knowing what specifically is causing this issue other than the fact that the people are split over the leader they follow, the leader they claim. Now, here's the other thing we do know is that this was not an issue of the leaders themselves. They were not a part of this, right? It's not like Apollos was going, hey, who's on my side? Who's with me? And, you know, and Peter's going, well... Team Peter, you know, it wasn't like that wasn't happening. In fact, as you read through the, the, the description, none of these leaders were rallying individuals around them. That's made really clear. So the problem was much more individual. It was more personal. There was an internal issue of pride and arrogance and independence. Individuals were making claims on their favorite leader. The leaders may not have even known it. It's just like, oh yeah, well, this is who I like and this is who I follow. And Paul states the absurdity of their claims when he reminds them, listen, is Christ divided like this, really? Did, did, Paul, did Paul die for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? No. He's trying to bring up the the reality of what they're fighting over. Disunity over leadership was their problem. But the fact is, there are countless issues that can cause division in the church, right? I mean, that was sort of their thing. But there there are a myriad of issues that can cause division in the church. Music styles. (laughs) Right? Preaching styles, well, I kind of like. Even even clothing styles. I, I, um, you you probably wouldn't believe the number of um, comments I've received over the years on uh, opinions on, on my apparel, like or dislike of it, or even my haircut, whether it's liked or not liked. No joke. There's all kinds of things we can be divided over that we can 
be separated by. We can be divided by politics, right? We can be divided by our entertainment choices or by schooling preferences, right? Okay, homeschoolers on this side, public schoolers on this side, fight, <laughs> right? Hmm. And social media has just given us a new realm for this all to take place, a new battleground, as it were. Views and opinions and likes are right out there for all to see. And that can easily create sides. We can draw lines. Feelings get hurt. We may be more technological in our divisions, but we are not that much different than the Corinthians. We're people who can easily be divided if we lose sight of what's important. And so it made me think, I wonder, are there divisions among us? Now, and I, want, I want you to know this. I'm not preaching this message because there's some issue I know of, because I actually don't, and we're just kind of walking through this letter. In fact, I'm going to say that a few times, because as we walk through this letter, it's like, did he choose that because, oh, we're just walking through the letter, you know? I don't know of anything, but, but I wonder if there are divisions among us as I think about you know, the, the broad reach of our family and our life groups and our marriages and friendships. I wonder how many divisions there really are. Because here's what I know for sure, that the enemy's plan is to divide and conquer. I mean, it's a strategy that has worked for thousands of years. Divide and conquer. And I wonder how successful that is right here in our own family, in this body, in our marriages, our life groups, in ministries, and friendships, and families. It's a powerful thing. And sometimes we're divided over things that just feel really, really significant and important. And sometimes, most of the time, we're divided over things that, in light of eternity, are really not that important. <laughs> right? Just sort of peripheral issues. Let me give you a, a, a somewhat light example uh, from my own marriage, you know, one of those dividing places. For several years, um, there was, this was not something we really like fought about, but there, for several years, there was sort of this undercurrent of division related to the decor in our home, right? You know, some of you are like, you know, you're, you're passionate about that in your own home. Some of you are like, I don't care. Well, I, I kind of happen to be a person who, you know, I kind of care. I, I have certain, you know, things that I, you know, kind of like or, you know, whatever. And, and so, you know, Stacy had, you know, has certain, you know, views and certain things that she likes decor-wise. And I have things that I like and mine are right. Uh, um, that's how it works, isn't it? Uh, this, we have this need to be right. And, and, and so, so for a long time, there was this sort of undercurrent of that. And so like I would come home and there'd be a new thing on the wall and it's like, oh, 
how did that get there? You know, I mean, you know, you, you kind of, you know, you see things like, ah, it's not, I probably wouldn't have picked that one out. You know, and so there were just, you know, so there was just this, this kind of back and forth, this thing going on. And, and then one day, uh, and this went on for years. And then one day, I, um, I, I don't know, I can't remember now, but I probably came home and went, what happened to the wall? Or I don't know, so I probably said something insensitive about, you know, a, a new decor thing that went up. And Stacy broke down and started crying. And she just said, I have felt so stifled in my creativity for so many years. And, I, and it was just like this moment for me where I, 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 had to, I had to really evaluate, is this at that kind of level for me? I mean, I have preferences, I have things I like, but is this really that important to me? Is this a, a, an issue of my creative outlet or is it just my preferences? And that day, I made a decision that said, that is no longer an issue for me. Like, what, honey, whatever, whatever you want to do, like, I'm good. And, and, and I had to make that decision. And it wasn't, it wasn't an issue of like, well, you know, she won or he won. It was just an issue of, of saying, I need to die to this because this isn't that important to me, Really? in the scope of, you know, of everything. And it was clearly something that was very you know, important to her, more than just stuff on the wall. It had to do with her own creative outlet and her, she was pouring herself into her home. It, but it, it, it had this ability for a long time to create this underlying division, divide and conquer, right? Now here's the crazy thing is as time has gone by and as, you know, things have changed and we've gone through all kinds, I mean, you know, from vintage to eclectic to whatever, you know, different, you know, styles. And there have been times when, you know, I would go, you know, my, my personal opinion would be, ah, not really my thing, but I'm cool. But now I look at our house right now and I go, I really like this. Like, I would decorate like this, which is probably just evidence of something that's changed in me, Right? You see, sometimes we choose to battle, and, and there's this thing inside, there's this pride, this arrogance, this need to be right, and we hold on to it, and it turns into divisions in our families, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our church, in our life groups, and that's what was going on in the church in Corinth. But here's the thing you need to understand. The issue was not the issue. The issue was never the issue, right? It was something deeper. It was something going on within the heart of these people. That was the real issue. In fact, James talks about it in James chapter four, verse one. He says this, what causes quarrels? What causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Right? So he's saying, what causes this? There's, a, there's an internal cause, and it's this thing that's warring inside of you. This desire, this prideful desire that lurks beneath the surface, that's behind many of our quarrels, many of our disagreements, many of our divisions. This heart that says, I have to be right. And when this happens in the life of the church, what happens is I lose sight of what matters to God in favor of what matters to me. 
And Paul's saying, oh, may it never be. May we never lose sight of what matters to God just because something matters to you. The problem was division. Paul's solution was to remind them of two crucial realities. He doesn't just come across and say, well, stop fighting. Next issue. He actually is a little bit more subtle, and and he communicates something much deeper than just don't fight. And he reminds them of the two things. Here's the first thing he reminds them of. He says, remember the cross. Okay, you're divided. You're you're saying you follow this person, and you follow that person. You guys are divided. And here's what I want you to remember. The cross of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Right? In the face of division, we need to remember the cross. In fact, the very next verse from where I left off, verse 18, it says this. For for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The cross is is the power of God. And then he goes on, we're not going to have time to kind of unpack this, but over the next few verses, Paul dives in and talks about God's wisdom through the cross of Jesus Christ. And he just describes the good news of the gospel. You see, Paul's approach to the problem was to remind them of the source of their unity, the means by which they can experience reconciliation. And so he launches into a discussion of the cross of Jesus. And he says, it is the power of God. You see, the only thread, the only thread that is strong enough to unite us is Christ. That can, that can sew us back together. The only one that's strong enough is Jesus himself. And so that's why Paul points them back to what's important He reminds them of the power of the cross, which is God's ultimate solution for the problem of division, right? If you you look back to the very beginning, God's plan for the cross in the first place was there is a division, there's a problem, there's a division between a holy God and sinful people. We have been divided because of our sin, the Bible says. That's the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that God made a way for this brokenness, this division to be reconciled, to be brought back together, us with God through the death of Jesus on the cross, through his substitutionary death on the cross to say the innocent for the guilty, that he'll die for us, he'll pay the penalty for us so that we can be brought back, so we can be sewed back together in relationship with our Father And not only is Christ strong enough to do that, but also to sew us back together as followers of his. So the first thing that Paul does in response to their division is he he points them to the good news, the power of the cross. Remember the cross. That's where we find our unity. That's where we find the thread that can sew us together. And then here's the second thing he reminds them of. He, re- he says, I want you to remember your calling. I want you to remember your calling. He uses that specific term. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, he goes on and writes this. 
For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And God chose what is low and despised in the world even the things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, that the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, he reminds them of where they came from. They're calling. And, and he reminds them in a very real way that we have no grounds for boasting. <laughs> you have no grounds for boasting. Because that's what was going on, right? There was this proud, arrogant boasting saying, listen, this is who I follow. And he said, listen, let me just remind you of who you really are. And so he tells them the truth about themselves. He says, not many of you were wise. Okay. Not many of you were powerful or of noble birth. God chose, in fact, what is foolish and weak. He's speaking of them. What is low and despised. So that nobody might boast in the presence of God. He's reminding them of their calling, of who they were before Jesus called them to himself. And he said, listen, you weren't that special. You didn't earn this. You didn't deserve it. What unites us is the grace that we all desperately need. In other words, God saved you in such a way that you could take none of the credit. That's what he reminds them of. And he says, listen, because of him, you're in Christ. Because of him, you have righteousness. In other words, all of God's, all of God's requirements have been met in you through Christ. In him, you have sanctification, which means that you're set apart as holy. In him you have redemption. In other words, you have been purchased and paid in full. It's as if Paul is saying, listen, if you're going to boast, don't boast in your latest issue or who you follow or some div divisive thing. In other words, don't, don't boast in those things. The only thing you have to boast in is in Christ himself. He is the one who can hold you together. Dependence on Christ breeds unity with one another. And that's what he's calling them to. You see, division says we are so different. Right? You, you, in our marriages, in our friendships, in life, you know, life groups, stuff, in, in church, you know, stuff that happens, you begin to go, we are so different. Right? It's us versus them. Me versus you. 
And we begin to just see those differences piling up, and it's just so huge. But the cross reminds us that we have so much in common. And we desperately need grace. Paul, in essence, is saying, listen, at the foot of the cross, there's no room for boasting. There's nobody who can boast at the foot of the cross because we all stand equally in need of a Savior. And nobody can say, well, I'm a little bit better than you. Well, I've got a little bit more right than you. Well, I've got, my thing is, no. We all stand the same place under the cross. We have so much in common. And that is that we desperately need a Savior. That none of us can do it on our own. That none of us is right. That He is. I want to conclude by asking you to consider a few questions personally. The first one is this. I want you to think about your own life. Are there divisions swirling around your life? Now you might go, well, yeah, and it's their fault. I just want you to ask, are there divisions swirling around your life in your friendships, your marriage, and church relationships? Are there divisions? Are there issues that you have rallied around, that you have made your thing that foster disunity? Are there? And if the answer to those questions is yes, then what I want you to remember is the cross. And I want you to remember your calling. Because in the light of whatever those things are that we're holding on to, my hope is that they would fade at the foot of the cross. Is there a relationship that you know of that has been damaged by this kind of division? Is there a person, is there some people that you need to seek to reconcile with? to be united with, to be sewn back together because of our, common, our commonality in Christ. And if there is, then I want to ask you, would you humble yourself? Would you humble yourself enough to go and say, you know what, it's not worth this. That you'd seek to reconcile. That you would cast down whatever pride, arrogance, sense of rightness that you have in favor of what matters most to God so that we might be unified. I want you to pray with me, would you? Jesus, there is no doubt that just as the church in Corinth, still today in the church, there are plenty 
can grab things that can divide us. There are plenty of issues that we can grab a hold of, that we can make our own, that we can quarrel about, that we can fight about, that we can say is more important than it really is. (laughs) We can sort of be puffed up and allow pride to sort of rule the day and allow it to eat away at our relationships. Or, or we can choose the way of the cross. And I pray that we would, Lord. I pray that if there are any broken relationships right now, in this family, in families and individuals represented here, I pray, God, that by your grace, we could experience reconciliation. We could lay down our need to be right in favor of what you say is right. And that we might be a family who's united, not divided, sewn together by the grace of our God and with the thread of Jesus Christ. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to take steps if you need to in relationships in your life. We're going to take the next few moments, the end of this service, to just have some time of worship and response to God and singing these songs. And I just want to encourage you to keep thinking about what we've just talked about. Allow that message of, of, of unity, of the cross, to continue ringing in your hearts and minds. As we continue to worship, the ushers are going to come forward and we're going to worship with our giving as well. I invite you to participate.